welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life. Today we are, our title, Learning to Conquer Life's Crises. Uh, we're going to talk about rewriting your life story, the transition that we're making as we go through this crisis of the pandemic and the different stages we may find ourselves in, uh, continuation of what we talked about last time. We are also going to introduce you to an incredible young man. Uh, who will share some of his story. Mm -hmm. He rewrote his life story and made uh, a horrific history turn into something very positive. And you will want to stay tuned for this today. Mm -hmm. So hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with almost 50 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Yeah, this is a different story today and a very important one. Um, the other thing that I've been called, I've probably been called a lot of things that I don't know about, but is uh, I've been called uncle. And uh, uh, we're gonna talk about Patrick today. Patrick is a very special guy. Um, we wanna kind of plug it into the, the things we've been talking about um, for the last few weeks about different stages that people go through in these crises that we don't create ourselves. And um, the pandemic that we're facing now is certainly something we didn't choose, um, but we have to cope with it. We have to come out of it better than we have been coming. But you know, it's interesting, I was listening to, I hate to say I was listening to the news a little bit because most of the time I don't like to hear it. The news just foments so much fearfulness and right now I see people so afraid and so unsure of themselves. Um, so I'm very careful about how much news is. But I heard a doctor from Stanford today um, being interviewed. And he, his take on the COVID-19 crisis was so much more positive. Really? And I've wow. heard him in a long time. Not good. like making up some fantasies. He wasn't doing that. But he didn't have this ne negative take or this terrible, kind of fear. worrisome, fearful yeah. outlook. And um, that I've heard I, from Dr. Fauci, who, you know, he's the expert on it, yada, yada. But I feel that he's really fomented an awful lot of worry and fearfulness and anxiety. He's a guy who's a worrywart, there's no question about it. But he's also caused, with his information, people to really get scared and continue to worry about the future. Well, they had an outstanding doctor from Stanford today talk, and he knew just as much about the virus. In fact, he's their expert at Stanford on it. But his, his take on it was so much more positive. Mm -hmm. and, and talking about that we can't just, he says being locked away hasn't stopped anything. Um, a number of things that we've done hasn't really gotten rid of the infectiousness of the virus. But he was talking about, they're now talking about uh, inoculations that they're just, you know, they're working the vaccines, on vaccines. Yeah. yeah, they're making some progress. And he was saying, you know, that's not the only answer for the future. If there's going to be other things that have to happen too. But he was saying, you know, these epidemics don't, and pandemics don't last forever, ever. 
and they do come to an end. Um, and and uh, his 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 outlook was so much more encouraging mm. and positive and realistic. Yeah. Um, and I was taken by it. And I said, now that's different than what you usually hear here in the news. That's different from what you hear from the experts. And this man was the considered the expert at, at Stanford. Um, but I liked what he had to say. I was very impressed. And um, he wasn't creating pie in the sky. But he was saying it's not so negative as everyone thinks and to sit around worrying yourself sick he says is not the answer to isolate yourselves hasn't really stopped it either um and he says in fact that's causing other problems shutting down businesses people not having work he says that's actually creating a crisis unto itself he says that isn't helping anything so i listened to this guy and i'm thinking you know what this is a more positive outlook for You people. know what this is reminding me of is, and it's in our booklet, it's one of the points you always make, and that is to, that you, you must know the facts about your difficult situation, but I think your words are, don't let the facts be the complete reality. Right. You need to see the bigger picture and see all of the parts that are going on and not just the, the finite numbers. That's right. This man today had a much bigger, better picture than I've heard, mm -hmm. certainly from the experts. Um, I was I was glad to hear it. Yeah, I really was. A different perspective. Oh, it was well. It was a, a an expert perspective based on what's happened, but it's not based on fearfulness, worry, terrifying people, um, creating more crisis than we already have. Now, to me, that made more sense. Um, and he knew all the facts about what was happening. He wasn't minimizing them, but he was, his whole outlook was so much more promising and hopeful. Mm -hmm. That's probably really what's going to be. He, he really was giving us a more, a more honest, constructive outlook. And uh, I think that was really yeah. good. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk today. This is what makes this, this a different show, and I think it's a very valuable one. I know it is. Um, we wanted to have some continuity between some of the things we've been talking about and um, the last few episodes. And there's been a couple of very good um, editorials written. Um, one of them is by this guy, Bruce Feller. Yes. And he's written a book. Uh, and we've taken some of his concepts. I've studied them. We've looked at them. And what I've really discovered is they really apply when you find out what people are going through. And he talks about... Um, he talks about the different stages that people go through when they're hitting a crisis. He talks about it, he calls it a transition, that when your life is disrupted by a crisis or a hard time and you, and you have the opportunity or you're forced to enter a transition. Well, he talks about, that comes after. He was talking about what his words were, what he calls it is like a life quake right. of something that is so upending that it hits the very core of who you are. and. It's so out of control, and it's it's just such an upheaval in your life, um, and that's what this pandemic nineteen has has really caused. Um, and then there's been an awful lot of offshoots that are other crises that are coming out of it now, not from the pandemic, but from people's anger and hysteria and fearfulness and pent up rage and. This is pretty ugly stuff these days. And there's the economic side of it. Yeah, well, as well, I think economic is part of it, yeah. and I really do think that that's another part of the crisis that is so hard on people. I know people that haven't worked in three or four months. That's right. And they got to pay their rent. They got to pay their bills. I mean, they're hurting. Um, businesses I see 
stayed open. They've, they've kind of morphed into some way of keeping themselves open. And I see so many other businesses, the storefronts are saying, closed, they're done. Mm -hmm. um, I read that they expect to have 15,000 restaurants never to open again. So, I mean, it's, we've crossed a quite, a, quite a, a financial crisis, and it's really tough on people. So uh, we look at all of that and say, hey, we didn't ask for any of this. And these are crises that people didn't create, but they were hit with it very hard. And they had no control over what was happening for a while. Um, they still don't in some ways. So I look at all of that, and, and we, list, we listen to this guy, uh, Bruce Feller's ways of um, describing the, the elements of these crises. Life transition is the part that comes um, when people need to move out of the impact of these life quake situations and begin to move towards some kind of change um, and, and adaptation. And there's stages to that. The, but the, the, earth, the earthquake, the life quake part really has to do with we have no control. No. None. And um, I've, I've alluded to many times, I spoke about Viktor Frankl, who was in the Holocaust, and they had no control. The Jews had no control over being exterminated and putting in, and he was in a concentration camp for four years. He lost most of his family. Um, he didn't lose them, they were murdered. And yet, when he came out of it, he had come out with an attitude and a philosophy and an approach toward life. You think he was a psychiatrist, turned out to be more than that. Um, but he said, we, don't always, we can't always choose these situations and these life quakes in life. He didn't use that word. But he says, we can choose how we respond. How we respond. And he was right. And here was a man who went through hell and back. And yet he was able to write books about how to come out of it more resilient and stronger and uh, a better person because of going through all of that. So he didn't come out embittered and angry. I've known... I've known families, I grew up with them, um, who came out of the whole cause so bitter and um, hateful. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And Viktor Frankl didn't have quite that attitude at all, and yet mm -hmm. he went through the same things they did. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that about him. But talking about Bruce Feller's approach toward it and seeing the different um, stages that people go through, they were very meaningful. and uh, It's very helpful to kind of break it down into some of the parts that people go through. And his point, too, was that it isn't linear. Uh, people, yeah. you know, it can struggle with one part and then do well in another part and then find that they have to go back. It was a helpful picture of what, what, what go, takes part during this time. Well, yes, and as you're talking, and one of the things that came to mind that I being a psychologist for many, many years, <laughs> many years. Um, I don't see myself just as a psychologist anymore. But when they, the, 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 the basic psychology of the last 100 years is this very linear progression of how life's supposed to go and mm -hmm. what the norm looks like as you progress. And I know after almost 50 years, that's not the kind of thing I saw. I saw that life has a lot of disruptions to a lot of ups and downs, a lot of things that aren't linear progressions, and they don't follow the set way of a developmental pattern no, or they a, don't. a life stage pattern or whatever you Not want to call it. In fact, as Bruce Feller said, and I agree to, that's a dangerous way of thinking for people because life doesn't go that way, and if they're married to that way of thinking. Yes. They're in big trouble when those disruptions come because it's not what they've been 
expecting expecting or brainwashed to believe right. and most of us have to some degree or another um, but what we're really what I was really interested in is that life moves, and he talks uh, also about how fast life moves now and the changes they come so fast and hard-hitting and so are erratic they're not like stable linear progressions at all right. and he agrees with me that is a dangerous approach to, to life um, that people buy into and then life doesn't work that way and they are unprepared traumatized yeah. and unprepared yeah. um, so anyway I like some of those things that he's brought up talk about how the disruptions of life they call he called them disruptors happen to people I would say that's more the I would say norm but disruptions come and when they do um, we can be we can learn how to move more quickly and know how to do it, deal with it more quickly and, and capably if we know it's not this linear, smooth-moving kind of thing and we think on our feet and we can move with the changes and the speed for which they come. This pandemic 19, boy, did it come that way. And financially, um, health, um, so many different things came so fast. So fast and in, in such a chaotic, chaotic way, like you said, no control. Mm -hmm. We'll come back. Yeah. Uh, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are here today talking about uh, the life quakes and rewriting your life story, uh, working through very hard times and what it feels like to be in the midst of them and how to respond positively. Plus, we're going to introduce you to a remarkable young man named Patrick. We will, and I think that that's, we want to transition into Patrick's story um, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I know P Patrick since he's about six years old. And he's an orphan, was an orphan from Rwanda. Yes. And if anyone knows about Rwanda, there was a genocide over 100 days and a million people were massacred. Yes. And um, the orphans and the orphanage, they didn't call it, they called the school, of most of the kids that were involved in that were products of the genocide and have been deeply affected. Over many, over a number of years, uh, they would come um, in these uh, performance troops. Uh, the choir. Uh, yeah, it, it, choirs and singing, they dance, dancing. and they had musical instruments. And they would and raise money for the school back For the there. kids that were back home. A yeah. portion of the kids in the school would come as part of this touring About choir. About 33. Yeah. And over a number of years, we, my wife and I hosted them at our ranch. Yes. And we fell in love with them, especially a couple of them. Um, they were wonderful kids, really outstanding. But one of them was Patrick, and the other one was a guy named V. Eleni. I call him Vinny because he, he danced like a guy from New York. So and he I, could sing New like Jersey. Sinatra. So, but he was a great kid. He is a great kid. I just got a, a little note today that he sent me a, a, a text today. i got to take a look at it. Yeah. But Patrick is special. Mm -hmm. And um, he's been involved with off and on with me since he's six years old. He's now, what, 20 or 21. Okay. Uh, a lot of those kids are still in touch with me regularly. Um, and I can't even remember all of them. When I look at them, I don't even know who they are. They're, they're grown. They've, they've grown so much. They've grown so much. Yeah. But Patrick 
and Vianney are a different story. Mm. Anyway, one of the things is the kind of traumas they have been through, the upheavals, the life quakes they have been through yeah. are hard to even we fathom. Yeah. The terror, the vile killing and murder and horrible stories. And these kids were the survivors. Yeah. And they are amazing kids, they really are. Um, Patrick lately has been involved with us um, in our nonprofit. He's also a very fine um, producer. He has his own show. Um, music, singing. Singing, and... music, uh, writing, directing, producing. I think it's really good. Very talented. Anyway, we now have him as one of, he, he works for us now. Mm -hmm. um, he's our Rwanda. Social media. Yep, and Thanks. he's doing a great job with our producer, Steve Rustad. And I could definitely see changes Mm -hmm. in our work because of Patrick's involvement. I can see it already. It and it's much more tuned in than we were before. But he's young, and these young people have a, an understanding of social media that none of us can quite get. And mm -hmm. the, Patrick's got it in tenfold. But anyway, um, one of the things about Patrick, I knew him for years, he was one of the orphans that would never talk about his past. Mm -hmm. Never talk about anything that happened. He was a very self-sustaining young kid. Um, he was very independent um, and um, extremely talented, no question about that. But not, there was something about him that he wasn't as open and vulnerable as the other kids. There's no question about it. Um, and I, I didn't probe because it was most of the stories were so atrocious. There was so much atrocity. I didn't want to traumatize them just by probing. No. So I didn't. But most of them over the years volunteered to tell me their stories, and they were just filled with atrocities. Hard for us to fathom. Yeah. Patrick never said a word about his past, and he was the one that was closest to us for years. Mm -hmm. Well, he's grown up. We did watch him, though. I'll just add that we did watch him care very much for the other kids around him. He had an ability to put his own needs aside for the sake of his brothers and sister orphans. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, I can't tell you how many times I'd watch him help kids that were less fortunate. They came from countries like Burundi, Burundi yeah. that we hosted also, and they were way behind the Rwandans. Yes. And Patrick knew exactly how to teach them, how to work with them, how to help them come up. Mm -hmm. And um, I just would watch that. I, I saw Patrick many times put it, sometimes you'd think he was pretty self-centered and selfish, but when it came down to it, he would put himself aside for, for those kids that he cared about, and that came first. Mm -hmm. He's a remarkable, really a remarkable guy. I was crazy mm -hmm. about it. I still am. Um, he needs a haircut, but uh, Patrick, don't get mad at me. I think he looks good. Yeah, he looks he he's looks very sharp. Very, he's up to date. He's a sharp-looking guy. Yeah. Anyway, if he ever comes here, we'll talk about it. He calls me uncle, and um, it's an, it's a and my wife uh, auntie, and but most of the kids would call us uncle and auntie, and that was an a term of endearment. Yes. They also and respect at, and respect, and they also looked at us as a surrogate mom and dad. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes they call me that, and, and it would take me back a little bit. But I realized how empty, and there was such a longing and a need inside of them. 
And I respected that and honored that and loved them for it. Mm -hmm. um, but we've been talking about crisis. We've been talking about people going through very difficult times. The long goodbye, Bruce Feller would call these stages the long goodbye, the messy middle, the new beginnings. And then he would talk about the purposes of those things. I have found talking to people lately that it really fits what people are going through really? and how difficult these times are for people. Yes. The long goodbye is like grieving ourselves and what we've lost. Having to let go of, of what we've lost. To let it go. Yeah. Um, and that messy middle, messy middle is where people have to kind of let go of certain things, attitudes and beliefs and dreams and, and, and uh, um, delusions of control and have to begin to let go of all of that. Let go of that and then they have to start to try something new. Mm -hmm. That's the mess part in well, some Well, that's the hopeful part and I've seen people in the messy middle lately. And I could tell them that's what they're going through. And I didn't mean mm -hmm. it clinically, but mm -hmm. I also told them about the, the new beginnings. And that gave them a hope because they're in the middle of the struggles. Mm -hmm. And I felt that this, was a, this is a pretty generic way of talking to people. They can understand that. It's a good, a good anal analogy that people can kind of hang on to. Yes, I feel that way. That's a good description of what yeah. it's like. And I think that's good. Yeah. Um, it's non-clinical. It's more generic and people can relate yeah. to it. Yeah. But he also talks about um, that the story's not over there. It's that we get to rewrite chapters of our lives through this mm -hmm. and incorporate those life stories into our life in a new way, and it makes us who we are. And I love the way he, this guy Bruce Feller, talked about that, because I know it's true. I've been through it before. And no matter how difficult these things are, it gives us a chance to see ourselves differently. We've made, we've made it through. Um, it's helped us become more of who we are. And um, in some ways, no matter how hard it was, you can come out he talks about being the hero of our own stories, mm -hmm. and I love that. And in some ways, when we rewrite, when that story of our life is rewritten, and these chapters that are so horrendous and difficult are incorporated into our life, there is good that comes out of it. I've always said that. And he says we need to see things that way and realize it's not hopeless at all. Mm -hmm. He also talked about something else. He says out of it, we get we there's a possible there's something that happens. It's a very healing time. And it's a heal, it heals, what gets healed is turning our anxieties, our fears, all of this damage into something new and better and hopeful mm -hmm. and turning us toward new growth, new purpose and meaning. I love all of that. And I thought Bruce Phillips said that part better than anything else. Very clearly. Yeah. yeah. Well, the story of Patrick is one of those stories that he has incorporated some very difficult chapters of life into something so meaningful and purposeful for who he is today and who he's becoming even more all the time. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And when we, when you see it on our, one of our segments, we're going to play um, Patrick's audio and video. Right. And we asked him to do this for us. I've never seen Patrick so open. Yeah, let me just say, let me set that up a little bit because um, when he joined us, it was not purely that we wanted someone to do social media for us. We could see that he would be good at that. But like everyone else involved in what we do, it's not just our skills, it's also who we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, what we bring uh, in our own life experience, 
that we're not we're beyond you know kind of out of the ordinary outside the box type people who have gone through very difficult things and grown from them and, and you saw that you've seen that happen for you well you talked about the extraordinary we live an extraordinary kind of reality right. and we've talked about in many episodes uh, caregivers paramedics uh, people on the front lines ourselves it's not the reality that most people would go after no and uh but it is the life we live, and it's a very growth-producing life that involves an awful lot of pain mm -hmm. and tr struggle. Ours gets brought out, but all the people we help are dealing. We're dealing with trauma recovery, um, so um, the life we've chosen has come out of our own struggles and our own pain, and we have a deeper sense of understanding and empathy, and also a commitment to growth, personal growth, both emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And uh, I, I look at that and I'm so grateful, even though it's a very difficult thing, but it prepares us for real life as we help others. Right now, I'm going through, uh, certainly to me, it's a, a life quake um, with my wife being so sick and taking care of her at the end of her life. Um, dealing with my mother, my 95-year-old, it was also at the end of her life. We're also helping many people go through similar kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And we're helping people deal with the effects of the pandemic. Right. So we know what, what, the, uh, what an extraordinary reality is and what it entails and the good that can come out of it yes. and the hope. Well, the beauty of listening to Patrick's video and audio, for me especially, mm -hmm. was hearing what's come out of all of that for him and what his deepest commitment is today is to come alongside others who go through terrible times, and Patrick is as good as they come at this. I used to see it when he was a kid. Yeah. You, but to hear a life commitment of it. Yeah. You saw the beginnings of it, and you didn't know everything that was behind it mm -mm. for him. No. And now we're seeing, as he's become a young man, that he's still wanting to make a difference in other people's lives, and what we heard started to fill in some of the gaps for us. Well, what we're hearing is a more full story. Mm -hmm. about how that progressed from what he went through, right. which is, was nightmarish, to and what he, the pain and the agonies that the kid has gone through. And you never would have known it, by the way, if you would have known Patrick. Mm -hmm. um, he, was a, he used to tell me when he was seven years old, I'm here because I'm a blessing. And I go, I look at this little African kid and I go, yeah, okay, that's all right, yeah, good. Well, little did I know, he was right. He was, he right. was truly a blessing. Yeah. And um, he came into our lives during some difficult times, and he was a very healing part of our life, and so were the others. Um, but we're going to hear about today with him. That's so beautiful, is where he is today. After what it, He's going to talk about what he's been through. It's, mm -hmm. it's very powerful. It's powerful. But he's also going to show where he is today mm -hmm. and how he's using those horrendous things that he went through to now be able to come, his life commitment is to help others help and bring them through people. it. He's very clear about that. Yeah. yeah. So that's our, isn't that the next segment? That's the next segment. So mm -hmm. I'm going to say, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back. Don't go away after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We are just in a moment going to play an audio or video, depending on how you're, you're seeing us today. From Rwanda. From uh, Rwanda for Patrick, and I think his last name is Chuzu. Patrick, we've known since he was a, a young boy, and his commitment has been out of the atrocities that he experienced growing up in Rwanda and putting his life together, hard struggle as it was, to come around and help others. And he's been helping others from the beginning. Um, you're going to hear something that is um, very powerful, very intense to listen to, but very true for him and very authentic communication from him. I just want to add that we he joined our team. He does social media for us. We asked him to do this because we wanted him to have the opportunity to speak up and help farther beyond where he lives, but also because we want you to have a chance to hear um, and understand what this extraordinary reality, what we do, what is possible if you're willing to have courage and strength and take hold of the opportunities that adversity brings. Yeah, it's an inspiration for sure. He's Very a, inspiring. Inspiring story. And also he was surrounded by other kids that had even worse atrocities by far. Even worse. So yeah. he's, yeah. So. But this is, an, uh, this is moving, I think it's inspiring, and it really fits for today what we're going through. And after you hear this story, you go, geez, it's tough, but we might be having a tough time, but this is, listen to this kid. Listen to this. Yeah. All right. So anyway, we'll we're looking back. forward to playing that for you. Yes. Hello, my name is Patrick Chuzuzo. I'm from Rwanda, and um, I'm glad to share you my story today. Um, I grew up in a family um, with my mom um, and then throughout that experience I spent some short time with my mom which was quite a, a good a good time with her um, I never knew my dad uh, I wish I could have known him but I never did I never got the chance not even his photo uh, so I yeah that was the the whole uh, beginning of the story I grew up in such a lifetime where, where it was all a, a, a tough life, uh, a life where finding food was a, a really hard struggle. Um, finding clothes was another battle. Everything was hard at, at the time because my mom used to wake up every morning early at six, go for digging, for, you know, dig for some little money at least for the day. Um, I used to wake up with her and just go and take out that experience with her. Early morning, sleep in the garden, wake up, she's still digging until 6 p.m. We go back home and that was the whole routine of every day. I never, I never thought there would be a day from, for a change in my life because it was, it was something I couldn't think of because that was the life I was used to. Um, growing up with with my mom was uh, was something I really loved at least because she cared she cared for me but it wasn't until one morning she woke up uh, 
very early morning and then she's like you know what what um, I'm going and I'll be back it was so early in the morning I was still asleep so she left uh, and then when I woke up my uncle my aunties they were all knocking at the door like we're coming to take you I remember it was this good Saturday. It was a good day. It was a good day. I was actually so happy because um, I, I, I had to. I, it was a day that I had a program to go and have fun with my friends, and then I was I was five years old at that time, but simply it it the, my whole day was messed up because she had left and I had no more time to, you know, I I didn't even know where she has gone to. And then they told me she has left to go to another country. This was another time where it, 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 it might have, it did have a big impact in me because it was a, another, a beginning of another life journey, living with people who are not your parents, uh, trying, to, trying to move on with this hard life where you have to wake up in the morning, go to fetch water down, down, down the, the hills, come up again with the, you know, with all this stuff and water, carrying out jerrycans so heavy. Um, on Wednesday, go to find and, and find firewood. I mean, it was hard. Well, I believe growing up in this life was, was something hard for me to... To to it's even today it's a hard thing for me to to just take a look back and think about all that experience. Well, let me call it trauma. Let me call it trauma that uh, it was a, dis a depressing time. All the time that I spent n thinking about where is my mom right now, and how is she? Does she even remember my name? Does she even remember that I exist? always waiting, always waiting for a motorcycle to park by the house and be like, oh, my mom is coming back. But <laughs> that's not what I got because I spent more years without seeing her, spent more time. It's hard to stay with people that are, that are actually not your parents because it was a hard experience because all this time they're there, sometimes treating you bad, sometimes accusing you and telling you all these words that are not good for you. You are, you are not going to be powerful. You're not going to be somebody amazing. You are not worth it. You are not strong. Which makes you have this weak part in your life that, that it always made me wonder and think about myself. I'm like, am I even going to make it through? Am I going to reach to that point where my life is going to be a little bit different so it, it's traumatized me and got me into this depression that I don't know how to explain um, I hear a story that I, I, I also don't really remember I was too young uh, they once told me I tried to commit suicide I don't really remember that but yes I do remember the, 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 that big part of my life being so depressed and having um, a really hard time to adopt the real me and adapt who I am because it was it was hard it was a really a really hard journey for me to to adapt to my mind but 
but God still took me out of there. He still took me out of all that depression, all that trauma, you know, all that time that it was hard. My life uh, has, I've taken very many decisions of, at some point I took decisions in my life because of what I'd passed through. At some point I felt like, okay, you know what, I, I, I have to take this direction because I knew at my home they felt like I'm, I'm useless. Uh, my decisions have become more powerful. I've taken more stronger decisions. I've taken more better decisions actually because of, 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 of always remembering that my past, my life wasn't that good. I didn't live a life that, that I, sh I wanted to live, that, that I could have wished to live. I didn't live the life that, that, I didn't live a life that I would wish to live again. So my life experience has made me make decisions that take me to a better future, that make me wiser, that make me more focused. It has brought me closer to God because that's a personal decision I made to trust in God because he, he changed my life after all that time. I never knew I could be speaking the English I'm speaking today, but yes, I'm, I'm speaking it. So it has made me make decisions in my life that are stronger because I feel like they're going to change my life. And I felt like I've made stronger decisions in school because I knew that no matter how I grew up, no matter the life experience, I still got to make it. I still got to make it out of that. I still have to survive. I still have to work hard. Uh, at some point at school, I... I um, I talk to my friends, I like talking to my friends and ask them about their life experiences and ask them about their, their whole life and everything. And talking to them has made me want to share more and tell them I was once in that situation because after God taking me out of it, I still had people around me that were still passing through the depression, passing through living families that are, that, that are hard to live with. And then I talk to them, advise them, tell them you can make it, you can fight, you can move on. And today, as I'm out of high school, my passion today is to fight hard and make sure I can make more lives different. I can make more lives and more kids get out of this state that I was in, this life of depression where I never knew that I could make, that I never knew that I could make through out of it. So... I, I, I feel like it's, it has, the, the life and the life experience have made me try and more to, to actually help more people that have been living in the situation that I used to be in. And that is my story. And that is how hard I'm striving. That is how hard I'm working to make someone's life different, to make someone striving, someone that is striving, someone that is passing through, through the trauma today, passing through the hardest times of their lives, passing through the depression, passing through that painful, that painful inside to make their life different, to make them feel stronger, to make them feel more worth, to make them feel more powerful, to make them feel 
they can be some people, they can smile today, smile again. That's the message I could give you today. Let me give you the message that I got in my heart today. Smile. Things are going to get better and things will be better. It doesn't matter what you're facing through right now. It doesn't matter the life you're passing through. Maybe you're just like me. Maybe you've grown up in a life where your parents never cared. They were, they were not present. Maybe you are in a situation where you were, you were in a life of poverty and you, do, you didn't have all the supplies. You didn't have the basic supplies, the clothes, the food. And I want to tell you, smile and just know that God has got you and it's all going to be okay. You got it. Thank you. We've just heard a video uh, that Patrick Chuzu made and um, very powerful one indeed. Um, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. In our last segment, uh, we heard from Patrick, who uh, is a, a survivor, uh, was an orphan in Rwanda, uh, telling us about how he has turned his life around. As Peter says, he's rewritten his life story. He's become the hero of his, his life story, story yeah. of his own story. Um, and listening to the video, prompt some questions. So I'm going to have some questions for Peter. Mm. Uh, my first one is, um, Patrick said something that, that grabbed me. He said that it was very hard for him as he came out of a very difficult, difficult childhood mm -hmm. atrocities, right. that he struggled, he said, to adopt the real me. To adopt the real you. To adopt the real, real me. <laughs> what, when he... What do you think he meant by that? Well, my guess, I know Patrick since it wasn't long after his mother abandoned him. I, know, I met him, I think he was about six and a half, um, through, the, through the orphanage um, with the kids that were, he was involved with. He was very um, self-confident, even then. Do I think he was dis discovered as real you? I, no, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, not yet. And, um, but I, I think what he was talking about is how he discovered who he really was, the strengths that he truly had. Um, uh, when I listen to Patrick today, um, one of the things that I hear is, and I could see it when he was a, a kid, the kids that were surrounded him had worse atrocities, and I heard their stories. It was brutally evil, um, and they were more open with me than he was. But I saw him take care of them. Um, he had a heart for them, and he was young. But what I'm hearing is what's come out of that. He's discovered from his, he was a very self-contained uh, kid. He was very talented, uh, very ambitious. Um, charming is unbelievably uh, an understatement. But what I'm hearing is out of the things that I saw in his character, even at that young age, I can't really say that I've seen in very many American kids. But what I saw in Patrick, it sounds to me like he was 
he's embraced what he was discovering, the strengths he was discovering, the resilience he came to through his struggles, his pain, his suffering, his agony, which I know he went through. Um, what I'm seeing is he's now talking about the chapter and what he went through and, he's, and what he's come to now. Now he's a young man. Um, what is Patrick, 20, 21? I think that he's on this. He's on the track that he wants. Number one, he's in social media. He's really good at it. He's a very talented guy, but also that he cares about other people and he wants to come alongside others, um, who he understands their depression, their suffering, their pain, their feeling worthless and and not good enough to to an extreme, and he knows how to come alongside them by using his own story, his own pain, his own suffering. Um, to now have a, a deeper sense of empathy mm -hmm. and caring than he would have had before. Now, I've seen Patrick come uh, alongside kids from Burundi. Now, Burundi was in much worse shape than Rwanda, and I, we would take some of those kids in, too, on a couple of trips. And I saw him come alongside them and bring them along with such an empathy and an understanding of what it would take yeah. to teach them, to uh, bring them out of themselves. And it was remarkable to watch. Let me let me follow that up with another question mm -hmm. too. Um, another thing that he said right around that time was he talked about and he repeated it, the decisions that he wanted to make. He said, "I wanted to make more powerful decisions, better decisions, uh, because I didn't want to keep living the life that I was in." And we've talked a little bit about you know the letting the long goodbye, the messy middle, the new beginnings. Those decisions, are those part of, of how you work through, how you place those in that process? Well, I think decisions come out of the process. Um, I, again, he's, we're talking about a pretty messy, disruptive life. Um, and I know him as he got a little older and at the orphanage and what happened there, and it, that became very disruptive too, and not through his own, certainly not because of him. But I remember this kid has had a rough life um, to get food to eat, clothes on his back. I mean, he's telling you the basics that we are going through a crisis. These people lived in a constant crisis of absolute bare essential survival, getting water, um, get, finding food. Uh, um, it's just an astounding life that he's lived already as a young person. And most of his peers have lived rough. He took care of them. He called me when they were hurting. And when I checked it out for one of the people I knew in Africa, they said he's telling you absolutely the truth. And we would send uh, money to get them grain and food, and then he would do videos to show us all the kids coming. He was the one who made sure that there was food for these kids, and um, he was thrilled about it. But he was hungry himself. Yeah. So I think through all of this, I think what he's trying to tell us is that through it all, he, he, he came to a place of hope and a, a place of growth and resilience. Um, those are the decisions he's talking, I'm pretty sure that's what he's alluding to, that it wasn't, he says it wasn't all, it didn't come out to be all negative and bitter. And all, at one point he says, they tell him he, would, they t he was told he was suicidal. Um, he's very depressed and yet he's saying he didn't stay there. He moved through it and out of those difficulties, in new beginnings, he healed his pain. He healed his, his uh, depression. He f healed so much of the damage that was done and trauma 
He says he's been traumatized. He's telling the truth. Um, and he's saying out of that, decisions came that were more positive and how they could be used to help others. And he mentioned his spirituality, that he believed in God, and God brought him through this so he could come alongside others with a deeper sense of understanding and empathy. I know, because I witnessed it even when he was a young kid, that that was absolutely the way he, it was true. Mm -hmm. And he lived it in a way that was so impressive. I, I can't say I've seen many American kids like this. I know they're there, yeah. but this was an amazing thing to behold. So then that leads to another question for me, which is that I don't think we or people listening can fathom what it felt like to Patrick to grow up in the situation he was in. Mm -hmm. However, I also feel like it would be a mistake for us to say that, um, that what he has gone through isn't something that is an experience that there are similarities in in terms of is he some extraordinary person that that none of us can even come close to are there things that that what can we take away for ourselves that we can do that we heard from him well i think that what we can take away from that is hope that here's a fellow that went through so much and i mean he's only 20 he still lives in rwanda he doesn't have a lot <clears throat> but you can hear the hope that comes out of all of this and the resilience. Um, you can hear that people who have been through, we've been, we're going through some rough times, a lot of us, but this is, he's telling you the stories of what he went through. You should hear what his peers went through um, that I knew, much horrendous, nightmarish things. What was a really amazing thing that struck me about all of them was how grateful they were. Mm -hmm. They had an appreciation and a gratitude and a love for what was being done for them and what was given to them that you just don't see in American kids. Um, it was so impressive, and I know because I gave him and his, and his friends, I took care of them, I did things for them, and I'd have every once in a while have a real awakening to how much it meant to them. But as far as seeing kids that young to have such, been through so much and have such a deep appreciation and gratitude and a willingness to embrace life and be useful really inspired me. Um, and you could see that these kids, uh, their life wasn't put together yet whatsoever. And yet they were going to move in a more positive way and they were going to make something good come out of everything that they've been through. He's the only kid I never knew anything about his background. So the others I knew, and it was blood, cur it was horrible, the, the atrocities they witnessed. And yet, to be around them was inspiring. And they were so lovely and good and willing to help and to give and to care. That when my wife was sick and we didn't know it, these kids picked it up. They did. And they came alongside her they in the most loving, in the, in the natural, helpful way. They knew more because of what they've been through than we even realized. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it to this day. They loved Lynn. And they would come alongside her and they would they would take some of the re normal responsibilities that she was struggling with and I didn't even understand yet. They knew something was wrong. They would step right in and help her and, and hold her hand and just comfort her and love her. These kids had a heart uh, because of what they've been through and an empathy that you rarely see in our culture. But today, he's telling us, 
something that we could look forward to because of what we're going through. Yes. A lot of good can come out of it if we open ourselves up to that possibility. Because of the, the pandemic, because of the crisis, because of the economy and the and the up 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 rest, uproar, the unrest, we can come to more hope, more gratitude, and more compassion for each other. And it's not just based on material things and salaries and pensions. It's based on something that's not tangible. Yeah. And these kids, as little as they have, embrace the non-tangible so much. It was so touching to be around them. You just couldn't help but love them. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so glad that Patrick's with us. Yes, part of our team. Working with us. Yes, thank you. So let me start. Steve is giving me the, the motion. I want to mention again that we have a booklet, The Survivor's Guide to Life, that uh, puts together some of the principles that, that Peter uses and recommends and shares with everybody about how what to keep in mind when times are tough and you want to get through them. Email me, Jenny, at BernsteinInstitute.com. I would be glad to send this to you. Okay, so let me know. I'll get it to you right away. It's a beautiful little book. Uh, the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through a grant from Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 public charity that relies entirely on donations from people like you. Mm -hmm. We hope that we have been of great benefit to you and that you'll go to sctraumatreatment.org and consider making a donation. We also have a GoFundMe charity campaign. Our uh, podcast website, thesurvivorsguidetolife.com, where you'll find uh, our podcast audio recordings. We're also on YouTube. We have a channel with the video of all of our podcasts. Uh, we have Facebook and Instagram. Please like us and share us. You can get in touch with me not only by email, but Peter and I by phone, 707-781-3335. And thank you for joining us. I think we've had... A pretty amazing episode here. I hope you feel the inspiration that we do from it. Yeah. And we wish you all the best and keep your chin up. And we will. Don't give up. Hang in there. Yeah. You can have hope and gratitude, and we can come through this together. Please join us again next time. <laughs>